stand in reverence for the honor and glory of God as we read his word. I'm going to take you to the book of Zechariah. The book of Zechariah chapter 4 verses 6 through 7. The book of Zechariah chapter 4 verses 6 through 7. Hallelujah. I've entitled today's message, Rebuild. Let us read what the Lord has to say in this written word. And my, uh, our first lady has it up there. Perfect. The word of God reads as follows. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zebrabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, hallelujah, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 7, who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain, like a flat plain. And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. You may have your seats giving glory to God. Rebuild the temple. Zerubbabel was, it's a very interesting name, by the way. I had to make a way of spelling it out. So Zerubbabel, that's the way we say it. Um, and i got to give you some background. He was a leader from the tribe of Judah. And the tribe of Judah represents praise. He comes, it's a representation of uh, a praise. Uh, that, you know, if you were from Judah, you were known to be a special, have a special anointing of praise upon you. Hallelujah. But Zerubbabel was in charge of rebuilding the temple. So to give you some background further, um, he had to fill in some big shoes. Because King Solomon had originally built the original temple. And let me tell you something, that when King Solomon built something, it was of, of the greatest standard. It was the highest standard. Standard. It was the greatest. It was the biggest. There was um, the Ark of the Covenant was housed in there. So for those of you who not, might not be sure of what that means, basically it is like your mansion compared to a normal house that is being built. So King Solomon had built a temple and it was destroyed by these Babylonians. Um, and and it is, they destroyed the temple because it represented Jesus, the Lord at that time. Um, it represented the Lord Almighty. And, and Zerubbabel starts to build a smaller temple. And in the process of building a smaller temple, because he was limited with resources at that moment, he starts building a smaller temple and the people become discouraged. They become discouraged because they, they, they're thinking and they start saying, well, it's not as big as King Solomon's temple. It doesn't have the miracles that King Solomon's temple had. The, the fire that started off King Solomon's temple is not even happening in this new temple. And it's taking forever to build it. But the Lord sends a message through Zechariah. Through Zechariah and he has a message for his people. And the first part of it is the, the first thing he says is not by might. Not by might. Hallelujah. 
What does that mean, not by might? Think about that for a moment. If we were to say that we are mighty, means that we are strong in numbers. We, are, we, are, we have a strength because it's not just one person. We are collectively, everybody together saying, hey, we are mighty. We have might because we're coming together with our strength. We're coming together, but uh, you know, with a, with a certain kind of uh, human strength. But God is saying it's not by might. You with me? Not by might, not by a group's focus, not by a group's resources, not by anything that a group or a group of people could do. Jesus, the Lord at that moment in, in, in his majesty and glory is saying that it is not by might that this temple will be rebuilt. Re will be rebuilt. Hallelujah. He's making it clear that their strength is not simply... The reason why, how strong you think that your group is, how strong you think you are, it is not having anything to do with your own strength, hallelujah. But it does have to do everything with my spirit, hallelujah. And, and, and the second thing that he begins to say, not by might, but not by power. But pastor, you said that there is power in the name of Jesus. That's right. But here the Lord is referring to a power that somebody can say, oh, it's because I built this temple, because I worked hard for it, because I built this, I built that for myself, I continue to make it look good, I'm the reason why this place is built, I, I your strength, the people that you hang around with, it has nothing to do, it won't come from your works or by your own power, he says, but what it will come from, the rebuilding of the temple will come from my spirit. Hallelujah. What you need to know is that your temple is inside of you. You are the temple of God, the word of God says. We no longer have to build a temple out there in the open to say this is where God's presence always dwells. This is where God lives. God lives in this place. God lives in this temple. He's always there. He's there. He's going to pour his spirit out. We don't have to worry about a physical temple anymore because the new temple that we have is inside of us. Hallelujah. It is the spirit of God that lives inside. And he says, in you is my temple. Hallelujah. And he tells these, he tells Zerubbabel, he tells them, not by might nor by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. He tells them, in other words, this has nothing to do with what you can bring to the table. Because you can't bring to the table something to an almighty God that has everything already in his hands. Hallelujah. That has everything already in the world. That has everything that he has created in creation. You cannot bring up and say, hey, I'm going to go make God better because I added myself to it. Or I'm going to go make God better because I added this to it. God doesn't need our help necessarily. Amen. He says, not by my, not by power, but by my spirit. And the reason why I had labeled this today, rebuild the temple, is because now, as I just mentioned, inside of you is God's temple. You are the representation of the temple. What are you doing with the temple of God? Because for some of us, hallelujah, and I'm speaking to those that are here and those that are watching, hallelujah, to some of us, 
The Babylonians have come into our lives. The Babylonians, the enemy has come into our lives and has destroyed our temple of God. They have destroyed what God has set up to be something great, something glorious, where God can, you know, marvelous and be majestic and, and, and he can be almighty God inside of you and take glory from it. And the enemy has come and destroyed it. The enemy has come and, and, and took down walls, hallelujah, breaking down walls. He has nothing but a pile of rubble in your temple. And you're like, this is, hasn't happened to me. Then build your walls strong. Because there will be a day when the enemy will come with a wrecking ball. And it's just called life. And he's going to come and slam into your temple. But where the Lord allows things to happen at times to take place, he always, always provides a way out. Hallelujah. He always says that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. He says it is my spirit that will get you through. Hallelujah. You see, if you get connected to the spirit of God, everything that you need will be supplied by him. You don't have to worry. You won't have to worry about your needs. You won't have to ask over and over and over everything that you need. If you're plugged into Jesus and you're plugged into the almighty God that we serve his be with you with you but until the spirit can be with you it has to be built the temple has to be built hallelujah and I'm talking to some people today that need to rebuild the temple inside if you've never known God then it's time that you start building a temple inside if you have known God and, and you've had a nothing but a pile of rubble it's time that you start getting closer to God to rebuild the temple You have to get to him. Hallelujah. Because the only way your life is going to flourish is built for the Lord. Hallelujah. If your spirit, if God's spirit is dwelling inside you, you will never go away. And he will never depart from you. You're like, what in the world does this temple have to do, pastor? Why do we need to rebuild a temple? Because God is coming soon. Or you can choose not to believe. You can choose to believe it, or you can choose not to believe it. But I always tell people, I would rather err on the side of if God doesn't come and I die before that, I've lost nothing. But if God does come and I am not ready with my temple and my temple has not been built and God doesn't dwell in my spirit, what then? Wouldn't you rather die knowing that there is a chance that this God that we serve is going to come back for you? Or would you take the chance that, the God, that, that there was no God or that your life was too important to give to you to God? This message, it, it applies to everybody. Because Zerubbabel was discouraged. He was he had taken them, I estimated, around 15 to 20 years before they, to get even started on, on, on the project of building it, to, to get the help he needed. And even then, God is saying, it's not by your own resources that it's going to happen. How can you be in the midst of the chaos that's in your life, hallelujah, but yet you somehow have a hope that God can bring you out, hallelujah. How does that make sense? Amen? 
How can this brother be okay if in the midst of his whole life he has chaos? In the midst he's just going through a storm. How can he look up and say that God is going to do something? Because it's not by my might, nor by my power, but by his spirit, declares the Lord. What I want to tell you today, I want you to grab this, hallelujah, that your measly efforts, our measly efforts to attempt to please God, to make it seem like we can add to God's greatness, we can't add anything to God's greatness. But he is already great enough to yield to God, and then in the process of yielding to God, the temple begets temple. Does God's spirit live in you? Some of us are rebuilding. Some of us are being discouraged. We're like Zerubbabel. And we have all these people around us. And we think, we, my sister and I and my, my wife, we, um, we were talking about this the other day. In this same scripture, the word says, he, the Lord asks about small beginnings and says, do you not despise the start of small beginnings? Do not despise the start of small beginnings. Which means don't take for granted small settings, small places, small churches. Because by his spirit, they are greater than some of the other bigger places. But I was telling my sister, I said, you know, we tried so many things to get the church to grow. And, and, and I found my, the Lord just, just like checking me today. We, we tried to find a place that was comfortable because we're like, you know, Brother Q, um, you know, if we, if we get a nice air-conditioned place, people will come. So we get an air-conditioned place. Still not good enough. Then, I, then, then I'm there telling and we're, we, we joke around and we're like, okay. So then we try... You know what it is? It's because um, our sound doesn't sound too good. Let's get a mixer. Let's invest. It can sound good because we want it to sound good for people. And then we're going to grow the church like that. You know, I think didn't grow. Then we say, you know, I think the location is too far. So maybe in order for us to grow, we have to change up the location closer to everybody. And we still didn't see the results. But it wasn't until we came to the conclusion that it's not by might, nor by power, nor by anything that we can do, but by the Spirit of God that dwells inside. The Spirit of God is that who changes people. We can't change people. I can't change you. You can't change me. It is the Spirit of God that has to dwell in the temple of those that believe that what it touches, what it, it, it contaminates, hallelujah, it consumes, and God starts rebuilding something in you. We realized it's not, we can't make this church grow. He light the fire makes this church grow. Amen. Our job, Brother Quentin, is to light the fire in the church. Our job is to get here at the point where we build our own tempo inside of our spirit. That when we come and come before the Lord, God's presence starts to manifest. That somebody comes and says, I need a healing. God can do it. And God does do it. Somebody comes and says, my life's a mess. I've gone through so much. I go from relationship to relationship. I go from problem to problem. And then we can confidently say, give your life to the Lord. Because there's nothing you can do to overcome that. But God can bring it and overcome it in you. So we tried everything, did we not, sister? And at the end of the day, we're like, 
we got it all wrong this whole time, we've been trying to use our might, our power, to build something that belongs to God. <laughs> it's like God saying, don't try to impress me. You can't impress greatness. But if you come to me humbly, God says, you will impress my spirit to be upon you. Because you yield to God. You surrender to God. You're not coming to God saying, I got it all figured out, Lord. You're coming to God saying, I don't have it figured out. That's the problem. That's why I'm here today in church. Lord, I need to hear what God has for me this week. Because God has a plethora of resources. He has an abundance of resources that right at the right moment when you begin to rebuild your temple, God says, I will give you every stone you need. I will give you every instrument you need. I will give this church everybody that they need to grow. I will do it because he is great enough, not because of anyone else, but because by, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. Yes, hallelujah. But it takes a temple. To go out there and share with somebody. It takes a temple. Jubilee has to step out of the four walls. People have to know that God is working in you so that they can believe in what God is doing. You've heard those people that say Christians are all hypocrites. They're just hypocrites. Why do they say that about us? And when I say Christians, I mean the entire body of Christ. Okay, as a whole. Why do they say that? Because we read something, we preach something, we believe in the word of God. But when it comes down to it, people don't see it in you. They don't see it in some people. They don't see that, that if the word of God says to be a, not only a hearer, but a doer of the word. They don't see the act of practicing the word of God in their lives. So they say, guess what, Sister Ashley? Pastor, him, him and him. They're hypocrites because they preached one thing and then I saw them doing this. But those who have rebuilt the temple, those who understand what it means to be the temple of God, know that their life is to please and honor God, which means, God, you come into my life as much as you need to. Hallelujah. You do as you please. You use me for whatever you need to use me for. I will be like a vessel. I will keep my temple clean. I will sweep out all the junk. I will keep the, the candles lit. I will keep the oil flowing. Hallelujah. Because as long as your spirit is with me, I will not have a need to go looking for something Anywhere else, hallelujah. Amen, amen, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's looking for people, Christians, people that believe in God, people that don't believe in God. If you have not had a relationship with God, he's looking and talking to you saying, it's time to build the temple of God. So that when Jesus comes, guess what? There is a banner that says, this is Pastor Jonathan's temple. I have the, the feast ready for you. I have my place. I got you a place already set. I prepared the food for you. I've been waiting for you. Come for me, God, now. Because he's coming back. You think these earthquakes are a coincidence? There was, what, six hurricanes not too long ago? I mean, they didn't really come and hit any land, but there were six of them in the, I think it was the, the Atlantic, the Gulf Coast. 
Gulf and the Atlantic. There, no, but there was some coming up from Mexico's area too. They, there was like six of them all at once. <laughs> I was like, wow. We have to grasp it, that God is coming back. God is coming soon. Don't be caught off guard. Get your temple ready. Begin to rebuild the temple. Begin to go to God and say, God, I have nothing else to bring but myself. I'll bring myself. I'll bring it humbly. I'll bring myself all messed up if I have to. But I'm going to start the process because today my temple needs to be rebuilt. Hallelujah. But today my temple needs to be dedicated, rededicated to God. Because some of us have dedicated our temples to something other than God. God, hallelujah. We've dedicated it to another false God, a false God that his name is Satan. And you may not, you might be like, that's pretty harsh, Pastor. You either serve the Lord or you don't. There is no in between. If you have not dedicated your life to the temple of God, you've dedicated it elsewhere. But one thing that I want to small, even though Zerubbabel didn't have a lot of help, what I'm going to do in your life. You're going to rebuild that temple. You don't have to have all the people that Solomon had. You're going to do it with half the crew of Solomon, with half the resources of Solomon. And guess what? In the midst of it, I'm still going to get glory from it. You know why? Because he anointed it. Because once you are ordained by God, which means once God has spoken over your life, hallelujah, God is the author and the final finisher of what he has promised in your life. You may not see it right now. You may be going through some rubble that, that has destroyed your temple here and there. But I will tell you one thing. If you come to God, you surrender to God, the process begins to be rebuilt. Hallelujah. He begins to rebuild a temple in you. And then he begins to anoint the temple so that when others come into your you know, area and they come into the, the place where God has been moving in your life. They're like, there is something about him. There is something about her that I just can't understand. But I want to understand it closer. I want to know what it is that's driving her. What's driving him. Why does he keep pressing forward even though his life is a hell back there? What is the deal with it? It is the anointing of the rebuilding. Hallelujah. Anytime the Old Testament talked about anointing, it was signified by oil. Get that, okay? Listen to what I'm saying there. If there was oil mentioned in the Old Testament, that means it was an anointing. That's what it signified. Oil represents not like car oil, okay? Or like olive oil, pure virgin olive oil. It was a representation of anointing. Zerubbabel, even though he was half the crew, half the resources, discouraged, God still anointed him. And I believe that when the Lord begins to start rebuilding your temple, he's going to pour out a, an anointing upon your life. He's going to pour out some oil upon your life that maybe your temple has not been what you thought it was going to be, but your temple is still the temple of God. Hallelujah. It is still the spirit of God that dwells in you, and it will continue to guide you. He will continue to move within you. He will continue to help you. He will be there for you, but it is the anointing. It is the rebuilding of the temple that sets the, the foundation. God sees the heart. Do you understand that? God sees your heart. You can't fool God with your mind. You can't say, well, if I don't put this in the offering, I'm, gonna, I'm, not gonna give, I'm only going to give this amount because no one's going to know. Or I'm not going to go to church because I'm going to do this, but I'm going to make it seem like, like I, you know, that I was doing something, but I wasn't. You can't fool God. 
You can fool us, and that's cool. <laughs> like, for real. You can fool us all you want. But to God, we can't fool God. He looks at your heart. He examines your heart. He examines your mind. Hallelujah. And whatever we have that you begin to surrender to God, he takes and he makes it better. If your life has been messed up, he'll make it better. If you have been suffering with a, a, a disease or suffering with a sickness, he heals it and it makes you stronger. Amen? But look at this, what the word of God says. Um, Zechariah chapter 4, verses 2 to 3 says, So I said, I am looking. Because he asked him, what do you see? And Zechariah says, I am looking and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bow and on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it and one right by the bow and the other is at the left. If you haven't noticed, God loves the, the number seven. Amen. Seven lamps, seven connections to it. Seven trumpets, seven everything. But the oil and what Zechariah was seeing, the reason he's seeing this is because the oil is an anointing upon uh, uh, the people of God, anointing upon Zerubbabel, okay? And, and once you must understand is that when oil is lubricating, when it's used for lubrication in that purpose, there is a little, there is little friction and wear among those who are lubricated by the Spirit of God. What I mean by that is the way, the way the Word and the Lord begins to lubricate your life, you begin to speak more like, you know, the Word of God. You begin to listen more like the word of God. You begin to act in all word of God. He begin, his spirit begins to be an oil and it begins to let you manifest good fruits. Hallelujah. And then when oil is used to heal, you know, back in the biblical times, they would bring it for healing and restoration. The significance of the oil that is in your temple is the spirit of God. Does not God heal? And then when oil was lit up, think about this. Oil that has been used in a lamp does what? It keeps the fire burning. It keeps the lamp flowing. As long as there's oil on the wick, it will still keep going. When it, oil is used to warm up, when it's used as a, as, a, as a fuel or a flame, there is warmth and comfort. Think about that. How, how do we, um, you know, stay warm? We build campfires and all that, right? But if you want to start something with a chemical like lighter fluid, it starts and it keeps it warm. It gets it started. When you use oil to invigorate, which means massage into the skin, hallelujah, it, it, it invigorates our bodies, right? It makes us, you know, they put massage oil, it feels great. That's what the Spirit of God does. The more of the Spirit that is in you, the better you're going to feel, I promise you that. You'll face adversity, you'll face struggles, you'll face trials, but it is his oil of the Holy Spirit, is the anointing that is found in your temple that is going to allow God to move in your life, to grab your heart, to touch your heart, to change your life around. Amen. And then there was another purpose that oil was used for. You might know the story. When it smells good. I have a, an oil here somewhere here. And it's like pomegranate. It smells great. And the Lord begins to work in your temple. You begin to be a, a sweet perfume unto the Lord. Your spirit offers up a perfume. And God's like, wow, what, what is that? 
sincere humbleness of repentant hearts. Somebody who wants to know me. Somebody who wants to spend time with me at this point to the Lord. God, it begins to pour oil on you as a perfume unto the Lord. And then the Lord uses another way of using the lampstands. And, you know, how do, we, how do we buffer out bronze and all that? It takes a special kind of oil to layer it and to buff it out. When you have the Spirit of God, when the Holy Spirit is in you, it buffers out things. Some of those rough edges, it smooths it off. Amen? All right, so you're probably thinking, all right, where are you going with this? Uh, First Lady, can you pull up 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 17? Let me show you, in case you don't believe me, that your body is a temple of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 17. The apostle says this, hallelujah. He says, do you not know that you are the temple of God? Do you not know that what? You are the temple of God. And that the spirit of God dwells where? In you. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. From the temple of God, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. I'm not here to tell you that God wants to destroy your life and explode your mind. And as soon as you walk out, he's going to put some dynamite in you and you're going to explode. That's not the kind of destruction we're talking about. Hallelujah. But what he is saying is to keep your temple rebuilt. Hallelujah. Keep it maintained. Keep it ready. Keep it non-defiled. Hallelujah. Do your best to follow God's word and stay in the word. Hallelujah. Because the word of God says that you... 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 to 20. Here he says it again in a different section. He says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and not of your own? For you were bought as a price. Therefore, glorify God. Who are we glorifying? In your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Why am I reading this? I'm giving you a message today that the Lord had given to me. He said, Pastor Jonathan, it's time to rebuild the church. It's time to rebuild the temple. The temple that is used to glorify God. The temple that is used that when they people come into your life, they can receive a word because you have the spirit of God. A temple that says that if you come broken and you know, you're around that situation, you can add, you know, allow the Lord to restore people. The temple of God. There is a temple of God that is within you and it belongs to God. And his desire is that you would begin to be like Zerubbabel. And you would begin to understand that, you know what, I can't do it alone. I can't do it alone whatsoever. But I don't need human help. What I do need is to get a hold of the almighty, mighty hand of God. Hallelujah. So that God can do the miracle in me. If you have tried changing and your life has not been able to change... You need to reinvite God back into your man when this you need to rebuild a temple that God said, man, when this temple is built, it's going to be amazing. 
so beautiful, so strong, so valiant. Because in, in the middle of that temple, my spirit is going to be like a fire. And that fire is going to provide a warmth for that person. Maybe some of you have let your temples be destroyed. Maybe you're, you know, you're one of those that you've given your life to God and you walked away or you've kind of strayed away. Or, or maybe you've never given your life to God and, and you feel like the world, ha- there was no, I'm, it is not God's plan. Break this creation that I have to share with you because it needs to be known that God didn't say, I'm going to create this creation. I'm going to create this plan, but I'm not going to save anybody. I just want everyone to just make the their mind and if they go to hell i don't care if they go to heaven well, that's even better for me that's not the way god god said hell is not for people of god hell is for the demons and satan and all the little workers that they have involved you get in that it's not god's will that you would end up going that way why because god's design is for you to live in abundance but i'll tell you this for sure some of us have allowed, what does it mean by to, to defile? Some of us have allowed materialistic ideologies, materialistic things, things that don't mean nothing to God. We've allowed those into our temples. and We become like the, oh, the, the Israelites, brother, back in the days when they would build this big old shrine. And God was their God, but they would go build a golden calf, all gold and all, and they would celebrate and worship it. Some of us are living in that time where we have allowed the world to defile our temple. What is supposed to be used for God is used to worship somebody else or something else. Maybe you believe in cars, you're prideful on cars, houses, maybe it's money, maybe it's important things that you have that you think, you know, you can put before the Lord. God wants to clean house. And it starts with your temple. We have to rebuild the temple of God. What does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world. Did he say he hates the world? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whosoever believing in him shall not perish. Shall not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, hallelujah. hallelujah. Yeah, he deserves a round of applause for that. When we think about the gospel, and I'm what, brother, you're going to hell. Hey, guess what? You're not going to ever make it. His plan is so that you would exist. We don't want to shy you away from understanding that that's real. But God's plan is so that you would not ever have to see that place. God's plan is so that you would come to know him, the loving God that he is. Because when you love somebody so much, you don't want to do the opposite. I love my wife very much. I don't want to harm her in any way. It's not my plan. It's not my desire. I want to show her love because I love her. True love does not want to hurt the other person. It's not his will that you would perish and die. He says, I made a plan. And this plan includes you giving your life to me. Understanding that inside of you, I want to build something that's going to make it awesome for your life. Uh, I want to give you a hope. 
I want to give you something that God is going to build, a, a joy that you can't explain, a fire that burns but won't burn you too much. It'll keep you warm. What God has said he will do, he will finish. You want to hear how the story ends with Zerubbabel? Can you put up Zechariah chapter 4, verse 7? If you don't believe me that God will finish what he started in you, watch this. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 7. You remember he told Zerubbabel that he was going to help build that? That he was going to be the reason why that temple was built? And although Zerubbabel had so much going against him, people going against him, who are you? Now God is speaking to the rubble until what was destroyed at one point. Who are you? Oh, great mountain. Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, which means all that junk, he just, you got flat land now. What else does it say? And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace and grace to it. That is the war cry. That is the, the victory cry, I'm sorry, that says that God finished in Zerubbabel the building of the temple. He finished what he said he was going to do. It may not have come at the time that he expected, but he finished it. Let us stand. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, why, why did you preach about this? What does this have to do with me? God wants a relationship with you. God wants to do something in your life. Hallelujah. And as, as I open up this altar, let me just say this. It's no coincidence that you're here today. If you're here today, you're listening to this, it's because God had a purpose for you. And he wanted to give you a word. If you have a need, and there is something that you've been asking God for, and it has not come to place yet. You've been asking God. You've been praying to God about something. Nobody knows it. Maybe you know it, but nobody knows it. If you have a need, I'm going to open this place up so we can pray with you. So that the temple can be rebuilt. So that what the enemy had destroyed, God will move it away. You've, you've been praying. We have needs. We all have something inside. But I want, to, I want you to make the sacrifice. If you feel the spirit of God moving in your life right now in the name of Jesus, I ask that you come forward so that we can pray a special prayer upon you. If there is somebody that needs prayer that you've been praying for and you have not seen it come to be, if it's you or if it's someone else, I'm asking right now that you come forward so we can pray with you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's begin to worship God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands. Begin to give glory to God. Hallelujah. Maybe you had lost your way with Christ. Maybe you, have, you started off good and you lost your way. Hallelujah. God has come to rebuild something in you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Just, just pour your spirit out. Just let, it, let God work in you right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You've tried your way. 
You've tried your way. You've went from rejection to rejection. But God's here to tell you that he loves you. Oh, he wants to build something in your life. 